Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. This one is going to be great. John Smoltz is joining me again, which literally never gets old to be able to say. One of my idols growing up joining me again on my show to talk about some of the hottest topics in baseball. This one's going to be a lot of fun because there's a lot going on. The AL MVP race is insane this year. Aaron Judge is close to Roger Maris's American League record, Yankees single season home run record at 61. He is just six behind. He is close. And Shohei Otani, well, we know how much he thinks of Shohei Otani. Last week, he talked about him being one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball, some of the best stuff in the game. And uh, these two are going head to head. Shohei doing things that have never been done before. Aaron Judge having a fantastic season, one of the greatest offensive seasons we have ever seen. So I'm excited to get get uh, what his thoughts are on that race and who he would have as the AL MVP. Also, Albert Pujols approaching 700 home runs. Albert Pujols is three home runs away from 700. He's at 12 home runs just in the second half, an OPS over 1,000. This is a resurgence like we have hardly ever seen. This has been unbelievable, so I want to talk to Smoltz. First off, a story because these two faced each other in their career, so Smoltz has incredible stories. So get one of those and his thoughts on will Albert Pujols get there, and if not, does he think Albert Pujols will come back despite saying that this is the last season of his career? Another big topic, rule changes. Larger bases are coming to baseball. A restriction of the shift is coming to baseball. And pitch clock is coming. These are massive changes that are really going to affect the game of baseball. And I think, by and large, people are on the, on the page of, okay, yeah, I'm either for this or I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, this is a, a big change for the game of baseball. Big things are coming, and it's starting in 2023. So a guy like John Smoltz, one of the greatest to ever do it, I'm excited to pick his brain and to see what he thinks and how he feels about these rule changes. So one of the greatest to ever do it, I grew up a huge Atlanta Braves fan and grew up watching him every single night he took the mound. So how cool for me to be able to have him on my show, and hopefully you all appreciate it every time John Smoltz comes on because you know one thing is going to happen every single time. You're going to get a great story. So if you love the game of baseball, if you love baseball history, you're in the right place. Let's welcome him in now, Atlanta Braves legend, Hall of Fame pitcher, John Smoltz. All right, and I am so pumped to be joined by Hall of Famer, Braves legend, John Smoltz. John, thank you so much for joining me again. This is fun, man. Yeah, I look forward to it every week. So let's start this week with 
the AL MVP race. Um, Aaron Judge is a few home runs away from Roger Maris's Yankees record, AL record, an incredible year that he is having. On the other side, you have Shohei Otani, who is the definition of a unicorn. What is happening shouldn't be able to happen. It is a remarkable year and a remarkable race. Who is your AL MVP this year? Well, you know, given all that you just said, I mean, I'm enamored with uh, Otani. I think he's the best player in the game. We've never seen anything like this. And you're going to get some arguments uh, against what I'm about to say. But the New York Yankees, if they win by 25 games, which they're not going to, that would work against Aaron Judge. The fact that Aaron Judge is the lone survivor in that lineup and the fact that he has a chance not only to win the Triple Crown, but single-handedly carry that club uh, in a stretch where they have struggled, I think gives him the nod on this year's MVP. I've been an advocate for what Otani does. You know I talk talk about Mm -hmm. his pitching ability, which is second to none, but then his ability to hit and play every day. So I, I obviously don't have a vote, but I would give it to Aaron Judge right now. What he's doing is really keeping the Yankees afloat in their worst of stretches. And I think for the Yankees to win the division, they need a healthy Aaron Judge. They obviously need a healthy lineup. But I I think that this time it really matters for the team that's going to the playoffs and the team that isn't. I've never been an advocate of that. I think if it's close, that should be the tiebreaker. Uh, If it's not close, it shouldn't matter if your team finishes last or first regarding the MVP. I would like to see a more driven criteria on voters being able to handle this subject without the narrative being always about a team winning or a team losing being the separator. I think that should only be if it's close, and we know this is super close. That's an interesting point you make, I think, and I hadn't thought about it like that, where if the Yankees had continued to be on their tear and win the division by 20 games, then it's not on the backs of Aaron Judge. But they crumbled for a couple of months, and it was bad. And he just put the team on the back and said, let's go. So that is a big factor, you're saying. I really do believe that. You know, when you have all your luxuries in your lineup, look, he's not going to get pitched to until their lineup gets back. And that's a credit to him. And that's going to hurt a little bit if you're not paying attention as a voter to what he's doing and what people are doing uh, to him on the mound and basically never trying to pitch to him. That's the ultimate respect. That's the Barry Bonds effect. And I think for the New York Yankees, as they go towards the playoffs, they're going to be in the playoffs. It's a matter of whether they secure that second best record and win the division. He's going to be the main reason why they're they're in that position. He can't help the fact that his team has gotten a bunch of injuries. What he can do is what he's doing, and that's showing up every single day and really dominating like we haven't seen him dominate from an average standpoint. And of course, everyone knows about his power. Truly an incredible offensive season. It has been unbelievable. All while he's playing center field, really, for the first time in his career and and doing a pretty good job out there as well. Um, Another guy that is having a really good second half and has had one of the greatest careers of all time, Albert Pujols, is approaching 700 home runs. He is at 697 home runs for his career. First up here for you, John, is in your career, which overlapped a little bit, you obviously being one of the best pitchers that we've seen, a Hall of Famer, and Albert Pujols is sure on his way to being a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest we've we've ever seen do it on the offensive side. Do you have any good stories about facing off against each other in, in your days? 
Well, I do. Uh, it didn't end well for me. Um, <laughs> I faced Albert Pujols in the prime of what I call the greatest right-handed hitter I had ever faced in that time. You know, I didn't have a ton of experience as far as the matchups, but they did hit three home runs in like 12 at-bats or something. But the one home run I'm never going to forget is when I was closing for the Atlanta Braves in that transition period, and then we were in St. Louis, and there was a mix-up of communication. I thought I was coming in with a one-run lead in the eighth inning. Uh, Horacio Ramirez, I believe, was pitching for us, and it didn't happen. So I flipped the ball to the bullpen catcher as Bobby came out to the mound. And when Bobby would come out to the mound, that usually meant he's taking the pitcher out. So I was standing at the gate in St. Louis waiting to come in the game and he walked back to the dugout. And so I, I didn't know what was going on at that time. So I sat down Well, the next batter, I think gave up a home run and the game is now tied. Well, typically closers don't go in on the road and the eighth inning game, uh, in the regular season. And then all of a sudden here comes Bobby. Now I'm sitting down, I'm, I'm warm, I'm ready, but I'm kind of heated in the sense that I can't understand why the communication had come to the point where I was coming into a tie game. Now imagine I'm coming into a tie game on the road and Albert Pujols is up and I'm blind. I'm like madly blind about what has just take place. So I threw these pitches as hard as I possibly could. And he hit it beyond Big Mac land, and we ended up losing the game. Well, the rest of the story gets interesting because I never did this too much, but I was dealing with a, a, a tendonitis in my elbow that when I got up, I needed to get in. I didn't need to rest after I got up, and that communication wasn't shared to Bobby. So you can imagine how upset I was. In the locker room was these curtains that separated the training room table from the locker room. I went at them to tear them off the hinges. I attacked them with both of my hands and they were steel reinforced. Like it wasn't one of these shady curtains that you could just yeah. kind of rip off. So I went at him and I'm telling you, I, I bruised both of my thumbs on the plane trip home. I was icing both of my thumbs. Luckily nothing happened with my thumbs or that would have been one of those articles you would be reading about today. <laughs> And you can't pitch when you're angry and you certainly can't pitch when you're angry against the best hitter in the baseball era that time as a right-handed hitter. So that was, I think the last home run I gave up against them. We lost the game and it was a memory that I'll never forget. Were there any words with Bobby Cox after the game, maybe in his office or something? No, the words were uh, the translation from the pitching coach to Bobby did not get, uh, <laughs> delivered down the channel so we cleaned that up and we made sure there were no mishaps because coming into that game at that time chipper jones was playing left field and he had some choice words for me as i was coming in like what is going on and i said i don't know what's going <laughs> on and i am you know i was hot that is not a recipe for success as a closer you yeah. cannot face anybody that upset and i learned a valuable lesson much less facing Albert Pujols. So, yes. uh, two-part question for you here. One, he's at 697. One, does he get it done? And two, if not, which he's put himself in a better position now, but if not, he has said he is not coming back, even if he's at 699. Do you believe that? I kind of do believe it. Playing with him, he's a man of his word, and he kind of knows that this is the time frame he has chosen and and – to be content with that as a player is also pretty cool. But I didn't think he had a chance. I don't think the world thought he had a chance. This is a 
rejuvenation like you've never seen from a guy who really struggled physically down the stretch of his career to hit for power. Nonetheless, he's going to possibly hit over 20 home runs. I mean, that in a part-time role that truly speaks to the magical career that he's had. I can't think of a greater way to end it. Like he's ending it. And I think that's the way he feels, but uh, time will tell. And, and I'm, I think everyone's rooting for him and hopefully he can get that done to uh, put a big, huge, exclamation point on his career I agree it feels like uh we haven't had something in baseball for everybody to get behind and root for much like we're seeing right now with pools it feels like the entire world is behind him willing him to this which is pretty cool um one thing that is coming to baseball next year John and this was thrown at everybody a few days ago and in 2023 there are going to be some big rule changes um, some some extreme changes. There is larger bases, which is the least probably extreme of the three, a restriction of the shift, and uh, a pitch clock. So I want to ask you about the restriction of the shift and the pitch clock. Let's start with the restriction of the shift. What do you think about Major League Baseball saying you can no longer have your fielders wherever you want? It's got to be four infielders in front of the outfield grass and two on each side of the base. I think it's fantastic. I think it's going to be the greatest rule change that happens. People are going to throw their arms up all they want. They're going to realize the effect of this is going to have unintended consequences, and those are going to be good ones. Every single sport has changed their defensive rule. Everyone. I mean, you can go soccer, hockey, basketball, football, you name it. When the sport is suffering in one way or another that is causing an action or less action to happen, each sport has made a change. Can you imagine if LeBron James, you get, you went to go see LeBron James and they could play three defenders on him, but LeBron's, te LeBron's team's going to win, but he might score two points. <laughs> Who wants to see that? There's a reason there's a defensive um, ability to not do certain things in the NBA. Same thing in the NFL. Imagine if you could grab a wide receiver like they used to be able to do. All these things have come and gone. Baseball's never entertained it and never done it. So that's why you get such pushback. This is single-handedly going to change the game of baseball. It's not going to change the averages dramatically, but it's going to change the philosophy of how we have action and ground balls at a hundred and some miles an hour that are no longer outs. And now the greater point that I think you're going to see great athleticism again, mm -hmm. you're going to see teams have a defensive advantage if they've got one of the unique and elite second basements or shortstops, how can you tell if anybody's great when they're all in a shift and everybody is pitching and hitting the same way? So I think this is going to be outstanding. And I think this single-handedly is going to change the narrative of baseball in a way where we all know that left-handed batters are the biggest victim of this. And, you know, a lot has been made on a Max Kepler who has the most outs in the shift second most other than Santana and we we got a chance to see him now swing the bat and hit a hard ground ball that gets rewarded for a hit so to me I'm excited about that getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
I'm with you, and I use a similar example when I explain it to people uh, with the defensive shift. Imagine in the NBA if there was a guy like Shaquille O'Neal who's seven foot a million and allowed to stand right underneath the basket the entire time and just catch it and put it in the hoop. Well, guess what? They made a rule saying you can't do that. You got to get outside and move, and that's similar to what we're doing in baseball. So we're on the same wavelength there. Uh, John, another one, the pitch clock. This is a big change as well. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the pitch clock, I think, is going to affect less than 5% of the game of pitchers. I don't think it's as big a problem as a pitching standpoint as it is hitting. The hitters are the ones that slow down the game more often <laughs> because they're trying to process so much information. And I think the pitchers that uh, have a problem taking their time and doing those things, they'll learn to get it done. It's not a vast majority. And I think this pitch clock will significantly um, enhance the action as well. It won't it won't be carved 30 minutes off the game, maybe five, but it's, it's a start in the right direction because imagine all the mound visits and then the batter stepping out and then your usual or unusual certain pitcher who takes forever to throw that one inning out of relief. So I think that'll be adapted and it'll be more adapted by the pitchers than it will the hitters. The hitters are going to have to have a better idea of what they're trying to do and process before they take the game and slow it down. So I think it's more of a hitter issue than it is a pitcher issue. Spoken like a true pitcher, my friend, but I do I do agree with you. There's a lot of batters that'll step out and deal with their gloves and do all that stuff. And there's a very minimal percentage of pitchers, I think, that uh, and you see it some you see it a lot with relievers, but there's some relievers out there that'll take a minute in between pitches. So it'll help speed that up. But uh, you hear the word pitch clock, and a lot of people think this will affect pitchers. Batters can take forever. This is a this is a big part of just helping batters get in the box and get ready. And hey, let's go. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the game was played faster a long time ago because it was taught and 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 kind of that's how you knew to play, right? You want to keep your defenders ready. You don't want to take a lot of time. But now there's so much information. There's so much processing going on, and you couple the fact of of all the the ability to kind of go through your signs that that is going to cause a little bit more creativity for teams to get on the same page, to think alike and to get the game moving in a direction that doesn't kind of uh, take it in a a place where, you know, you have all these great pauses. John, this is always a lot of fun, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Let's do it again soon. I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. See ya. I just wanted to thank John Smoltz again for joining me. That was truly such a fun conversation. To be able to pick his brain, we knew a Hall of Famer like him would have some great stories. But the Albert Pujols one is great. He has great stories every week. Getting up in the bullpen as a closer, then sitting down, then having to come in a batter later, facing Albert Pujols, giving giving up a blast over Big Mac land. Uh, That was really cool. And uh, hearing his answer on AL MVP, thinking uh, Aaron Judge is going to get this done. He, gave, he made a great point, you know. Um, if, the, if the Yankees were 20 games in first place, this is a different story. But they weren't doing great. And the reason that they might still be in first place and probably are still in first place is because of the year that Aaron Judge is happening. And, of course, hearing his thoughts on the, on the rule changes. I, I think a restriction of the shift, if you're not for it, give it a chance next year because everything he said I think is spot on. We're going to see more from defenders being able to see their range and their arm, and we're going to see more from uh, an offensive standpoint as well. So I just wanted to thank John Smoltz again for joining me. What an absolute blast of a conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it. This has been another episode of Flipping Bats. Make sure you like, subscribe, anywhere you're listening to your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. We're daily 
five days a week, every day, right here. Every Wednesday is a guest episode. Uh, make sure you follow on all social media as well, as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube. It's all at Flippin' Bats Pod. I hope you all enjoyed this one. I sure did being able to talk to an absolute legend that I grew up idolizing. Until tomorrow, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.